A Louisville neighborhood is getting shipping container housing. We'll talk about where that's going and what it'll look like. I can barely contain my excitement for this plan. Access Louisville podcast is coming up next. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Chris Larson. Hey, hey. Haley Cawthon. Hi there. And Marty Finley. How's it going? If we sound different today, it's because we're trying out a new recording platform. Hopefully it sounds good. Bear with us if it does, if it sounds bad, and we'll work out the bugs. Anyhow, Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news, the sharpest opinions, on this city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So guys, this week on LouisvilleBusinessFirst.com, we had a story about drive-in concerts at the Kentucky Expo Center. The state has paved what used to be the old Cardinal Stadium, giving us another exciting parking lot in the area. So Grammy award-winning act for King and Country is going to perform there on September 26th, and people can park and watch this performance. Tickets are $200 for VIP parking or $150 for general admission. And yeah, you can get out of your car and sit in a lawn chair if you want. There'll be like spaces in between the cars. So my question to you guys is, what's an artist that you most want to see perform from your car or a lawn chair? And uh, what do you think of the ticket price? I thought it was like surprisingly, it was higher than I expected. I guess I could see it. So uh, Chris, I'll start with you on this. Yeah, on the pricing thing, I mean, you got you to make money off these things. So you got to price it, you know, as high as you think people will tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's well, well enough priced and we are starved for live entertainment. So they are capitalizing on a major shortage in the market. So sure. they can charge whatever they want. And there will be people who are like, God, I got to get out to a show. I'll pay it, whatever. Um, I don't know like what I would actually want to see in this format though. If I did, I know for sure it would have to be like a super mellow act, like live act. So definitely something that's not going to want to make me get up and like dance or like flail around. You don't so, want to, you don't want to just accidentally like break out into a dance on top of your car or something. No, you could ding it up. I could ding it up. Yeah, that's right. And my Ford Fiesta, I don't, I don't think would tolerate that very well. So like, <laughs> I did that, it might end up looking like a spider you know, in my living room if I danced on top of that car. So, like, I would want to see like super mellow acts, like something I could just sit in a chair and just enjoy, like Josh Groban, Yo Yo Ma, Dave Matthews Band, uh, more modern acts like Avid Brothers, Jack Johnson, you know, Death Cab for Cutie, but like nothing I'm, I'm at all. I'm with you like, on rock, a few of those. Avid Brothers and uh, Jack Johnson, I think, would, would definitely be good car watching bands. Yeah, Haley, how about you? You've got a you've got this look on your face like, oh my god, guys, come on. Uh, I'm just laughing because I'm I was thinking the total opposite when I saw this question. Oh, wow. Um, I want something that has like a big, flashy, exciting light show because I know I'm not going to be able to see the actual artist, even if they have like big screens up. Like I feel like the actual like environment of the concert is going to be different. Um, even if you're like standing in the back row of Ladders in Life, like you still feel like you're kind of in it. Um, and I feel like it would be different for a driving concert. So I want like, <laughs> I would want to go to like a show that has a big, you know, light. Visual slash, effect. Yeah, visual like effects. YouTube. But 
pyrotechnics. I was not thinking U2. I was thinking like some kind of EDM, like bass nectar or something like just, and you can just go crazy and like dance into your car and (laughs) everyone's over there like in their own spot kind of raving. I'm not a raver, but that's like the kind of only show that I would want to go see. It's it's funny you, you said that you made the example of Louder Than Life because I think like Louder Than Life, I felt like I was too far away at Louder Than Life. Like, I mean, they had big screens, but I, I basically couldn't see the stage from, you know, from as far back as I was for a couple of the shows. It kind of cleared out later. Then um, I got a little closer, but uh, but yeah, it's like, I think it's maybe too far back there. And this actually sounds cool because you can space out a little where Louder Than Life, it was like... I think I tweeted Crowder than life because uh, yes. there, there was the crowd was so big. Um, but uh, And everyone is just like, they don't care if they touch you. It was such a different time then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Um, sorry if I cut you off there. Was there anything else you're going to add to that? Nope. That was it. Okay. Just big flashy lights, please. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, what do you think? Uh, in regards to the price, I kind of agree with Larson. You got to make money on this, um, and you can have up to six people per car. So when you think about it that way, it's not that bad. Um, if you have, I mean, if you have six people in your car, unless you have a really big car, it's going to be a very uncomfortable experience. But yeah. you can potentially have up to six people in the vehicle uh, for the show that they're having at uh, at the expo center. Uh, I also kind of agree with Haley on, you know, having some kind of a spectacle show like. One that come to mind would be like Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You yes. know, I'm like a, not oh, a huge fan of them. Yeah. But they have the big Christmas spectacular where they have all the lots and yes. the, you know, this the weird show. The re- weird um, metal uh, Christmas carols. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not, like I love this, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So love anyway, that, that would be like a good band. Another band that I like that, that, that puts on a pretty visual experience is Tool. So I think, you know, some of their visuals would probably work with this. But yeah. I think if I went to a mellow show, I'd probably fall asleep in my car. <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Chris on this. I think I want to chill out and just sit in a lawn chair and, uh, and watch like something more chill, but I get where you guys are coming from. Um, it maybe, uh, maybe like a, like you said, Avid brothers, that's, that's probably a good, good pick for that one. Um, but, uh, let's see on the price. Yeah. I, I guess you, when you think of it that way with you're fitting, you know, three, four people in your car, um, that you know that you guys could all go in um you know equal shares on that um one thing i thought is this is cool that you can probably sneak in as much booze as you want i mean not for the driver obviously but uh you know you can't do that at concerts they frisk you and everything so you don't bring in any outside food or drinks uh but there's no way they could search your entire car and like you could definitely hide some food or drinks in there somewhere so and that would save you money. So that would be like, um, you know, that, that would actually help the ticket price seem more justified. Driving concert etiquette means uh, the designated driver doesn't have to pay the ticket price. Hey, Everyone else just pays. That's a good rule. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's switch gears. I want to talk about those container houses I teased in the intro. Marty, where are the container? Well, first, what are container houses and then where are they going? Yeah, so container houses are made out of, or at least the ones that are coming to the new area, they're made out of these cubed shaped shipping containers. So, you know, they're basically going to be stacked on top of one another 
they're about 40 feet high. Uh, and they're going to, uh, so these would be like metal shipping containers, the real airtight ones that they use to, you know, ship stuff overseas. Um, so that's part of the, the appeal of that is they're going to be pretty, pretty sturdy containers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, um, they are going to the Nulu area. Uh, they're going to be duplexes. So they're going to be one, they're going to be two stories, like I said, about 40 feet high. And then they're actually going to create a courtyard out of other shipping containers. So there's going to be like a, a courtyard of containers it's about 20 feet high between the yeah. duplexes mm. so it's a very interesting the drawing kind of looked little, cool a little, a little different for for louisville yeah uh yeah it's very hip i guess um they i think they've done this in other cities right that have yeah they more they actually said they, they saw this in other other cities and other markets and was kind of inspired that they could do something that's not overly expensive but still stand out in the market um is it did they give you any kind of idea on how much it would cost to rent one of these they're still finalizing that they're going to be about 640 square feet so think of like a studio home studio apartment size but uh, or slightly slightly larger than that um but there will be some like there's going to be a one bedroom one bathroom a kitchen and living area but it is going to be all kind of blocked off so the um the bedroom will not be it won't all be one big room you'll have some actual rooms uh, it will be blocked off. So it's going to have a feel similar to a, to a normal apartment. It's just going to be a different style of apartment. Yeah. I bet they end up looking pretty cool, but I don't think I want to live in one. Have you guys, what would you guys live in a, in a shipping container or has there been a time in your life when you would, I know, I think we're all homeowners here. <laughs> we're all very boring. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, part of me likes this, um, you know, but not like the part of me that owns a home right now. Yeah. It's yeah. like maybe when I was like single or maybe earlier on in like my marriage, I could have thought like, you know, that'll work. You know, that's yeah. something that, you know, it's it's kind of cool. Location's pretty great. Uh, not too big. But then so at some point I would realize this is a trailer. Like, <laughs> this, like this is a hipster trailer it's like, a very hip trailer yes the i don't know and like I, I wonder about like i wonder about like how how this this will like go over like once you get like professionals like realtors looking at this who have experience trying to deal with either prefab homes or who have worked on or worked around people who work in you know you know selling trailers and realizing that what you're looking at is a shipping container that's been repurposed so like you're getting a recycled home not even like really a new home or living in a new apartment here. And I wonder like how well that's going to go over when you get something, someone who's practical and level-headed looking at this, not necessarily like as a trend, but like as, you know, as a, as a product to try to market to people. Yeah. I've been in trailers. They're nicer than you think. And they're, they're yeah, larger than I think. Yeah. Not, um, not a knock, but like just as far as like the concept goes, like it's a trailer. Yeah. A trailer. I, I would, I worry about it in, in like in storms, you know, because they do uh, have a tendency to blow over in a, with a big storm, but maybe there's a way that they're secured to the ground that uh, you don't have to worry about that. Or maybe there's like a storm shelter that you can go to. Yeah, and those those containers are 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 big. They're big hunks of steel, so uh, that's actually probably a pretty good place to be in a storm. Oh, I yeah, don't think I was so. gonna. I don't know. I think they would blow over. I yeah. think it's like an RV, but I was gonna mention like I think shipping containers are. Uh, sturdier than normal trailers um speaking from experience i grew up in a trailer um a three-bedroom one so it was pretty big 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it just had like that aluminum siding that like could easily just be ripped off in any kind of storm or, yeah. um, and I don't fam- think, go on, sorry, sorry didn't mean to cut I was just going to say, I think the shipping containers, um, would probably, you know, withstand storm damage a little bit better. Yeah. Um, as long as they don't roll. <laughs> like Maybe um, because trailers sit up a little bit, I guess, more um, than these would. Maybe they would be a little sturdier because they're flat on the surface. But I was going to weigh in. These will have concrete foundations just like houses. They're okay. not going to be just setting there. They're going to have footers and they're going to be set they're probably like bolted to the, uh, to the concrete foundation. More than likely, yeah. I mean, they're going to have a very pretty sturdy foundation. Yeah. They're not just going to be setting them on like pavement. And setting them down on a gravel <laughs> lot. Yeah, they're going to have an actual builder like build these. They're just going to be their materials will be shipping containers, not you know sticks and uh, you know steel and lumber and stuff like that. The, the traditional building materials. I guess at least with the shipping container, you're right. I mean, like it's not like vinyl siding is going to stay on a house, uh, whereas a shipping container, it is. Uh, it's all one solid form. So maybe it would be better. I don't know. Um, I was going to say that storms were always a concern, uh, for my family. Like I I didn't live in a trailer, but my parents did before I was born. And, um, and that was always the scariest part was like when storms would come by, they would have to seek shelter. So, um, I was going to say, Oh, go on. Sorry. sorry. I was going to say that the size doesn't bother me. Um, but I think the only thing that would attract me to a home like that is if it was mobile like a bus, like a refabbed school bus or something that you could drive around and just have fun in. Um, but otherwise, like, I don't want to give up suburbia for a, yeah. a box <laughs> that's stuck in one spot. I think I would have liked it when I was like 20 or something because uh, of the novelty. And plus it's like, I guess it's a cheap, I don't know how cheap they're going to be, but uh but in Nulu, it's hard to find housing, so um, it's uh, it's an option uh, for for if you want to live in a, a cool neighborhood like that. So um, I'm going to move us on to healthcare. We had a pretty big healthcare deal go through this week, and that was um, Molina Healthcare out of California purchased uh, Passport Healthcare here in Louisville, which was a pretty big name if you're uh, if you follow um, the local. Uh, the state healthcare contracts. So this was kind of the end of a long saga, right, Chris? What happened? Yeah, we learned this week that um, Melinda had come to Passport to take on uh, Passport's Medicaid business. So Passport's just about its exclusive product is offering uh, Medicaid plans uh, through a contract that it has with the state. Medicaid is a health plan for people who meet certain criteria as a vulnerable population. Some of those include sickness, disability, um, being within a certain percentage of the poverty line. Um, the, the company also acquired Passport's brand and name. Passport's been around for you know, 20 years, over 20 years, so it's well recognized in this space. And Molina also agreed to hire up to 500 Passport and Evolent employees. Passport's currently owned by a company called Evolent Health, and they're based in Virginia. And the big thing, at least from in, in kind of my, my wonk reading of this, is that uh, Molina also has the remainder of Passport's contract. So Molina won a contract to provide Medicaid benefits, but that contract wasn't going to start until 2021. But 
now Molina is in the game. They have what will remain on this year's contract from Passport to get their business going to start taking taking care of people, but since their business also to start generating revenue for this new venture that they have. So the basically Passport customers are now Molina customers because they bought that business. That's right. Um, and then there was a uh, there was a real estate project which really makes this interesting uh, over in uh, West Louisville at 18th and Broadway. Uh, so what's up with that project? And has, has anything come from that? Yeah. Like, honestly, like the, the Medicaid like business part is kind of playing a second fiddle to the, the West end headquarters project. And to answer your question specifically, what's up with that project? We don't know. So yeah. we do know that this negotiation around the real estate is on a separate track. Um, Back in, I believe it was July, when Passport and Molina announced that they had this deal, they made it very clear that there would be kind of two separate talks, one around the actual business, the other one about around the HQ project. So I asked, I mean, I asked Molina, like when they made this announcement, reach out to a couple of their people over there. I was like, hey, what, well, you made this announcement about the business. What's going on with the HQ project? Because that that's a really big deal for the area what and an even that? bigger deal for Molina. Nothing. <laughs> they my email. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is a big deal for Molina, at least the way that they've set this up, because they actually, you know, put in their pitch to the state that they would be willing to take over space there to be kind of an anchor tenant and on a medium term lease. And before, you know, those before Molina actually, you know, submitted that pitch to the state, I was able to report out that this was something that Molina wanted to do as a bargaining ship with the, you know, with the wider community, with the state to show that, you know, they were willing to take on some kind of responsibility, like put here. some, yeah. show that they're serious about trying to take care of people in Kentucky. Yeah. It's a huge project. I mean, Passport originally estimated that it could cost up to $100 million. Yeah, and um, Marty, you've been following this development too. This piece of property is kind of its own saga. I guess. And this is just the latest twist. So, yeah, I think um, it would be interesting along if it was just the passport uh, project, but you know, before that there was a huge saga with the Walmart that was, yeah, it was supposed to come there and there were some lawsuits filed over the design over, you know, they wanted a suburban design like you see at a normal Walmart with the, all the parking in the front. And, you know, there were some that wanted an urban design where the building would basically be on the streetscape there. Like you'd see more in an urban environment. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, fighting back and forth. And it really kind of split the city. There was a lot of people on both sides and a lot in the business community that felt like it was a huge, a huge loss in terms of job generation and uh, investment and bringing, you know, some form of a grocery store to the West End in the form of Walmart. So there's still people that's upset about that. And that's been what, you know, four or five years ago when yeah. that plan fell through. But there's still people that talk about it to this day as, is one of the huge misses, I guess, for the city of Louisville. Yeah, like but Walmart they, basically business changed and say, they said they're not going to, you know, the business climate changed and they said they didn't want the store anymore. And if they, they would have just gone ahead with it, it would be there now instead yeah, of Yeah, it was held nothing. up. There was, a, there was a pullback by Walmart nationwide on some of their yeah. stores at that time. But the I think the delay from the um, – the lawsuit was about two years from when it was announced. Yeah. So yeah, our, the argument was if they would have been able to move ahead, they would probably had to store at least under construction. And then so they, they would have just built it. Yeah. Pulled out on it. They would have just built it. But um, you know, so there's still, there's still some mixed feelings about that. Uh, there was seemed to be some 
enthusiasm. Um, not everyone liked the passport plan, but it seemed like a lot of people did, including those that didn't like the Walmart plan. Yeah. Uh, so there was some disappointment there. I did talk to a lot of people because I recently did a story on the West End. I asked a lot of people about Molina and, you know, the rumors that they may be bringing to campus there. I spoke to the Mayor Fisher, and he thinks, you know, he was the one that most, I think, readily said, you know, seems to anticipate Molina taking over that project, even though Molina's not confirmed yet. I also tried to talk to Molina. Um, mm -hmm. They did respond, but basically just said, thanks for reaching out, and really didn't tell me anything. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we, we get that all kind of struck, a lot. We, we all kind of struck out there, but I think there's at least some expectation, not only by the, the mayor's office, but even the state. Yeah, and Bashir talked about this all the state. Time, so. Yeah, he's talked about this multiple times. So I think there is an expectation that Molina is going to take over this site as as some kind of HQ. But we had we just don't have confirmation from Molina on that. And I know everybody I've talked to, or most people I've talked to, would welcome that site being developed, especially something that could bring jobs that, you know, especially yeah. for higher paying jobs. So Yeah, it's disappointing to see it sitting there. I never had a problem with the Passport Project. But I always did think it was ambitious, like a hundred million dollar campus for a nonprofit. Like, and, and um, I always thought, like, that's that's big idea. Sure, go for it. And and then um, then it fell flat. Of course, that was the result of a lot of other things, um, which I won't make Chris explain. Uh, but it was basically there that sent them into a financial tailspin. So uh, interesting thing to watch. We'll keep our eye on that. Um, from go, we'll go from the West talking about West end development to talking about the East end here. Uh, Haley, you had a great story on this new barbershop brand, uh, that was moving to St. Matthew's. And I thought it was really, um, just really good read. Interesting how this, uh, entrepreneur who worked in corporate sales decided he doesn't like sales anymore. And someone suggested that he cut hair. And so he, he's, he started this barbershop brand and it's, it's now growing and it's opening his next location. So uh, t tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, it was a really interesting story. So it turned out like Allison Steins, our data editor, um, lives over near St. Matthew's and she uh, keeps me up to date on stuff that changes in that neighborhood. And she's like, hey, someone's taking over the desserts by Helen spot on Frankfurt uh, near Cannons Lane. And I'm like, oh, cool. Um, I'll try to find out who these guys are. So it turns out it's a Handsome Fellows Barbershop. Um, they are currently open in Middletown. Um, they have a location there. And it was um, built out of a former gas station, like with garage doors and stuff. And it was super industrial, um, kind of like a total get job on that property. And uh, so it turns out the entrepreneur um, who previously worked in sales got really burnt out. He uh, went to a barber shop in Nulu and the barber there was like, you should try out barber college if you're looking for a change. And he's like, guess I'll try it out. Um, <laughs> and, and here we are four, four years later. The, the, uh, the shop is so popular among barbers that that's primarily the reason driving the expansion is that so many people want to work for this guy, mm -hmm. um, which obviously brings in more clients and more money for everyone. Um, so this, uh, the first property in Middletown <clears throat> is owned by Bill Etzcorn, um, who is active in commercial real estate now, but, um, he <clears throat> is known for his, uh, auto service and, you know, painting operation. I think it's 
Etzcorn and Sons Auto Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he had some other things to do with cars too, but he was an entrepreneur. Um, got into real estate, I guess. Got into real estate. Um, he redid that property in Middletown for um, this barbershop concept. And so when uh, the entrepreneur, um, his name's Ryan, Ryan Cornell, sorry, I didn't mention that previously. Um, he went and looked at the property in St. Matthews and was like, I can't take this on my own. Like there's too much work that needs to be done to convert this into a barbershop. And so he called up his landlord, <laughs> Bill, and said, Bill, come look at this property. Uh, and Bill called him the next day and was like, we're buying it. Come sign your lease. <laughs> and uh, Cornell told me that he's like, I about exploded <laughs> because he, he was just like, casually looking at things and Bill's like nope we're doing it come on let's go uh and so they're hoping to be open by October 1st um at that property in St. Matthews and they've already got five barbers lined up um so uh yeah really cool expansion story uh didn't really anticipate it being that interesting but there's lots of layers there so check it out online if you kind of want to hear more of the actual narrative there (laughs) yeah yeah and I'll link to the to the story in in the show notes um i thought it was interesting i love to hear stories like that where god just uh you know he changes careers does something else and ends up pretty sounds like pretty successful business so a good local business story um so what's everyone's haircut situation been during the pandemic uh i haven't had a haircut during the pandemic um i think my hair was about chin length when the pandemic started and now it's shoulder length i think i'm gonna break down and ask my wife to cut it for me i'm uh, <laughs> not all the way off i'll keep it long but um but i think it is i'm well overdue for a trim but uh uh chris i'll start with you on this have you, it looks like you've been keeping up regular haircuts so okay so if anyone has ever read any of my stories and seen my thumbnail you would know why this question is you know in it not but you still have to question cut for me all right, cool. Um, but and, you still and, have to come here. Listeners can't guess by the uh, you know the tension of this banter. I don't have much hair. I'm bald. <laughs> uh, so, but and I've been doing this for years. I just I just shaved my own head with hair clippers, and then you know, you know, I've got my wife who backs me up, make sure I didn't like leave any scraggly you know hair, so I don't look too foolish. And that that's it. That is it. Uh, and if I may, David, man, make a comment on the haircutting situation. If you can, if you got it, man, flaunt it. <laughs> like I want to, I want to come back to the office and have you like Fabio esque like hair. It's like, like super hair like like the 80s wind. rocker at this point. It's like super long. So um, you got it, flaunt it. Yeah, I think I think it's gotten too long. But um, anyway, Haley, uh, I know a lot of people are scared early on of going to uh, like to get a haircut. Have you gone and gotten haircuts this whole time, or? Uh, I haven't had a haircut since March 2019. Okay. I get my haircut <laughs> biannually, um, so my hair is super long now, uh, almost that's, unmanageable at this point. That's about me. I get it like twice a year, maybe. Yeah, I I get mine like every other year, and um, <laughs> it's been really bothering me this summer. So I've just been wearing it in a ponytail for most of the time, but. Um, as for regular haircuts, I cut my husband's hair every three weeks, um, and so I'm pretty hip with the haircutting knowledge. I also cut my mom's hair on occasion and highlight it and stuff. My mom always says I should have went to uh, 
cosmetology school and become a hairstylist because I could totally do it. Um, I but, wrote this story about a guy that changed his career and really yeah, it, so. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to do a big career shift. I like my career <laughs> as is, <laughs> um, but it's really not hard to have uh, your spouse cut your hair. And if you're chicken about it, you just have to like know that your hair will grow back even if it's not all even <laughs> um, yeah. and they'll get better at it the more they practice and stuff so I've been doing that for three years now and it yeah. saves us a lot of money. And Marty you get your hair cut at home right? Didn't your wife give you your hair? Uh, I actually do my own. I actually oh, do, do mine weekly. I trim mine weekly. So. Weekly wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so, how you keep it so uh, consistent I guess. Yeah so I've been doing that for a few years. I used to go get it done because I have a really short cropped hair and then I have a beard that I trim myself and I would get that all done and it would cost like 13 bucks to do that. And I'm like, this is dumb because, you know, there's not that much cutting and trimming going on. So I just bought a pair of clippers probably six or seven years ago and started doing it myself. So, so yeah, my wife never wanted to, like, she always was like, no, get a haircut. Um, she like, well, didn't want to cut my hair, but yeah, I'm my wife always checks mine just to make sure like, Morrison said that I haven't done something terrible in the back or something. <laughs> I have accidentally like cut too much uh, like with the beard trim and then you're like, oh crap. And then you have to just go down that whole layer and have a really short beard for a while. So that, yeah. those little mishaps do happen. I had one of those during early on in the pandemic where my beard was really, really short, but it grew mm. back. That's why so. you never get on camera during these calls. So. Well, I'm an awkward human on a camera. That's why I don't get on I'm like a gorilla on a camera, I'm just like fumbling. And so I'm like, no, I'm just going to hang out where nobody sees me doing stupid stuff with my hands. So, well, at least you got it. At least you explained. I was kind of wondering. I thought you just didn't like, uh, I don't know. I thought you were just shy or something. But you're among friends, Marty. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it for this week's show. I only paid for the free version of Zoom, so we're going to have to wrap this call up real quick. Uh, but uh, before we go, let's uh, let our uh, hosts go around and uh, share their uh, share their social media handles. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. All right, you can find me at Twitter at bflu_chris, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm usually uh, most active and most accessible. Type in my name, Chris Larson, and I'm the guy wearing the black shirt. All right. Uh, Haley. You can find me on Twitter at BFLouHaley. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of the social medias that I know about. <laughs> all right. And Marty. Yeah, I'm known primarily on Twitter at BFLouMarty uh, and then under my name on LinkedIn. So that's the best two ways to get me. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at BFLouDavid and on Instagram at dman3001. Um, if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular podcast services, such as Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, and others. We also like reviews, so if you have those, feel free to leave us one. Um, thank you very much, Haley, Marty, and Chris, and thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.